Hello, and welcome to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD podcast. This is a special episode where we're doing a coaching episode so you can see what coaching is like. So somebody's agreed to do this. I'm so appreciative. I'm appreciative of all the ladies that have agreed to do these coaching podcasts. So, but before we get started, I want to introduce myself. My name is Delane Vaughn. I am a board certified family practice doctor, a former emergency room nurse, a veteran healthcare worker, and the host of this podcast. This podcast is for women who are not ready to let go of their longevity, their vitality, and their vigor. It's for women who see life as a gift, and they know, di- they know that diabetes is the start of a downward spiral to letting that go, and they're not ready for that. This podcast is for badass women who do so many other amazing and hard things in their life, but can't seem to master chocolate cake. If that's you, let's talk today. Before we get started, I want to remind you that if you're on medications, you have been medicated Based on the way you've eaten in the past, if you change the way you eat, you're probably going to need to change your medications too. That means you need to get a clear line of communication open with your medical provider in order for you to share your blood sugars with them and them to help guide you off of your medications. Do not do this without their guidance. You can get very, very sick that requires hospitalization and possibly death. So I need you to call your doctor, let them know what you're doing, get a line of communication. How do they want you to share your blood sugars and how are they gonna share feedback for what you need to do with your medications? I also wanna remind everybody, share this podcast with people. If you're getting help and you're seeing your blood sugars drop, awesome, tell everybody you know, they want the same help that you have. Remember, nine out of 10 Americans have the same issue of hyperinsulinemia. So if you're getting benefits in your health, likely most of the people you know would get benefits too. So share this with them. Rate the podcast, write a review, Follow me on Instagram and Facebook at DelaneMD. And then always remember, join the Facebook group, the uh, DelaneMD Reversing Diabetes Facebook group. It's a fun place. Lastly, I'm offering diabetes reversal assessment calls. If you're a woman with type 2 diabetes and you're worried and frustrated and confused about why you can't fix it, there's help. These assessment calls are 45-minute calls where you and I will discuss your specific obstacles to reversing your type 2 diabetes. By the end of the call, you've gained some clarity on where you need to start. If you're interested, you can sign up for that through delaynemd.com or through Calendly forward slash delaynemd, or you can find a link on my link tree at Instagram. If you're interested at the end of that call, we can certainly talk about what it looks like to work within my group, to have the group coaching and the community resources and the community support, as well as one-on-one coaching that comes within that program. All right, we're gonna get started on the podcast. All right, we're back at the podcast and Kathleen is here to go through a coaching session today so that everybody can see what this is about. Welcome, Kathleen, and thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. So do you want to share any bit about your history as far as your diagnosis, um, just to give us some baseline? Um, Sure. I've been... um basically pre-diabetic probably for probably the last 10 years or so and have received, you know, no medication, but my only tips were to eat a low fat diet and to exercise. And that was about it. And then in September of 2019, I um, was then diagnosed type two. All right. Did they start you on meds? Yes, I'm on metformin two times a day, 500 milligrams each. Sure. Okay. All right. So describe what you want to coach about today. Um, I would, I don't want to take medication anymore. I read all the horror stories about, 
you know, taking the medication and that it's really just a Band-Aid and I, I don't want it to proceed down to where I lose my eyesight or have my feet amputated or anything like that. And I um, am in the process of watching my parents age, you know, they're in their eighties. My mother and father-in-law are in their eighties and both of them have health issues and they're struggling now with having to be taken care of. And I don't want anybody to have to take care of me. I want to, I, I want to be healthier than I am now. I have a a two-year-old granddaughter and I'd like to be able to, you know, be there for her. And I have two other daughters and you know, they haven't gotten married yet and had kids. I, I just want to live longer. Yeah. So where are you struggling? Like if you wanted to stand up, you would just stand up. If you wanted to pull your hand off of a hot stove, you would just pull your hand off a hot stove. Where are you struggling with creating the health that you're looking for? I struggle with emotional ties to food mm-hmm. that. Food has been my comfort. Food has um, basically it kind of all started when I was 14. My parents uh, moved from California to Seattle and I didn't want any part of that. And so when I moved here, I just found comfort in food and I've been struggling with weight ever since I was 14 years old and I've yo-yoed, dieted and tried every diet there is underneath the sun, you know? And so I struggle with, I'm good for, you know, a month or so doing it. And then it's like, ah, I'm tired of this. I miss my Twinkie. So then I, I fall off the wagon and I keep saying, I'll do it again tomorrow. Yeah. That's such a fun one. That was my old buddy. I'll do it again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So If you were going to identify why this is a problem for you, what would you answer that question? Why is this a problem? Um, Because I think I find happiness in in eating all those yummy, yummy foods. And, and I don't know how, I don't know how to get in my mindset that that food really doesn't make me happy. Yeah. Because then sad after I eat it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a thought error going on, right? Mm -hmm. Your brain sees a Twinkie. We're just going to use Twinkie as an example, Mm -hmm. right? I see a Twinkie and your brain has a thought that will make me happy. When Mm -hmm. you think, when you see a Twinkie and you're like, Ooh, that'll make me happy. What feeling comes in you? I get happy. It's like, Ooh, I want to eat it. And it's like, mm, so that, that's good. Yeah, I want to eat it. Right. Yeah. What does I want to eat it create? Because um, happiness either comes afterwards or if just the thought that makes me happy is there, you wouldn't have to eat it. Right. Right. I, yeah. But I'm not satisfied with just the thought. I want yeah. to taste it. And what is that want? I mean, want and desire is what comes up. That's the feeling that you experience, right? And then you eat it, right? But the result that you get from the thought-feeling-action combo, so you have a thought, I want it, I like it, I want it. Your feeling is desire. Your action is to eat it. And then your result is you're not happy. Right. 
right? And then I feel bad. I mean, I get shaky. I then want to eat protein. Everything in the wall. Yeah. Because your blood sugar does this crazy up and down number. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's a thought error that you're believing. And I think on some level you understand that you are compelled to have this action. And you understand that later on, there's a lot more things that you don't like other than this one compulsion for this action, like this, I want it, this desire. Mm -hmm. You understand that in the future that you aren't going to love what happens, but you're willing Mm -hmm. to make the trade in the moment. Yeah. Right. So curiously, like what's wrong with making that trade? I I understand what most people would think is wrong, but I want you to verbalize what's wrong with making that trade. That I'm not, I'm not, well, it's not number one, it's not good for me, but I'm not thinking about the long-term effects of how I'm going to feel after I eat it. Mm-hmm. Even though sometimes like if I have a piece of cheesecake, I feel absolutely horrible when I eat cheesecake. And then I lay in bed thinking, remember how you feel. I even write down in a notebook, I ate cheesecake, my stomach hurt this, you know, I just feel awful. Remember it. But then when it's presented to me to eat it, it's like, Oh, maybe this time I won't feel that way. (laughs) I love the way our brain is. I think I was wrong that last, those last 500 times I probably wasn't right. This right. is going to be the time it's going to work out wonderfully. Yeah. Right. So why do you think that you do that? Why are you having this problem? Why are you doing this thing where you intellectually know something and you argue for something that's not going to sh- serve you? Why do you think you do that? I honestly, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't understand myself in that aspect. But also then I hear, you know, voices from like other family members, you know, oh, just this one time, have a bite, you know, and it's so then I hear that. Oh, yeah, you're right. Just just I'll have a few bites and I'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there is something that this is serving, right? Whenever there's a confusion, like a lot of times we're blocking a deeper answer, right? Mm -hmm. And I think you said it when you started. You're like, I have an emotional tie. It makes me happy. Mm -hmm. if we take this part away that makes you happy then I'm in (laughs) yeah what are you gonna have to feel then I'm sad I mean I I feel like there's a death yeah I feel like I've I've lost my comfort my best friend yeah so what's wrong with that it's messed up (laughs) (laughs) why do you resist it though uh I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to face the fact that I've done this to myself. Oh, oh yeah. When you think I've done this to myself, you see your A1C, whatever it is, you see your metformin pill every morning and you're like, I've done this to myself. How do you feel in that moment? makes me disappointed makes me sad makes me make sometimes it makes me feel like just giving up and just you know it is what it is yeah yeah you feel disappointed you feel like you can't you know I've done this to myself I can't seem to stop you're disappointed you take your pill you feel like giving up I'm weak yeah 
Yeah. And that result is that, that I'm giving up will lead you to produce evidence that you're, or that, that I've messed up will lead you to produce evidence that you've messed up. Mm -hmm. Right. Even later on in the, like that happened at 7 a.m. in the morning when you were taking your meds, that thought is in the background in the afternoon when you're eating a cheesecake going, well, a little bit won't matter. This one won't be a problem. It's okay. I took my meds this morning. Right. Right. So what about your diabetes makes you believe that you've messed up? That I've been warned for 10 plus years. I had a warning. I could have done something about it and I chose mm -hmm. not to. Why not? Why did you choose not to? Because I didn't think that it, I would become diabetic. Yeah. I just Why? thought that I could walk the line. I'll mm -hmm. never get there. Yeah. So your brain allows you to live in a state of denial frequently. Mm-hmm. Right? I agree. <laughs> the cheesecake's not going to be a problem this time. Right. Right? But just how even like if I look at myself in the mirror, I I don't see myself the way that I, that I, what you see in the mirror, is it what's in your head? Right. We, um, at work a few weeks ago, I had to get up and make an announcement and it was, it was recorded. And I watched the recording back and I looked at, I looked at that person and said, that's me. That's, that's what I look like. And it was like, oh my gosh. And then it was that weekend that I got back on the wagon. <laughs> yeah. So if you got back on the wagon that weekend, are you still on the wagon? Yes. Why are you still on the wagon? Because I'm seeing the results of my blood sugar um, stabilizing and dropping below uh, even a pre-diabetic state. And it's, it's rewarding to me. And I'm, and that's, and that's without taking my metformin. Yeah. So yeah. I'm excited about that. So your fear we meant you talked we spoke about this before um before we started recording is this fear that you're not going to be how am i going to be able to maintain it yes why do you think you've got these results you like them why do you think you can't maintain it um my because what if uh, I'm going to eat something that I'm not supposed to, I, I'm, you know, for three weeks now, I've been totally off processed food. So I haven't had that, but yet I can look at bread and think, oh my gosh, one day I can eat that. Well, no, really, I can't. I'm not, I shouldn't. I'm not supposed to, you know, I'm yeah. not using, I'm not using it as thinking that, oh, that's poison to me and I shouldn't eat it. Yeah. Yeah. What's wrong? Curiously, what is wrong with wanting the cheesecake or the dessert or the bread? What's wrong with that? It's going to spike my blood sugar. Wanting it is different from eating it. Oh. I Not I in my brain, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, to me, wa um, wanting... Uh, yeah, it's, it's the same thing for me, because then if I want it, then I want to eat, then I'm going to eat it. And then as soon as I taste it, then I'm going to want it tomorrow and the next day. And yeah, I'm, your my brain is really bad that if I take a taste and then I take my blood sugar tomorrow and it didn't spike up, you know, over 100, I'll go, ooh, it didn't affect me. I'm going to do it again tomorrow and see what happens. Yeah, your brain 
equates the want with the eating. Yes. And your brain is trying to talk yourself out of the wanting so we don't have to deal with the eating. Right. Because I can just think of the cheesecake and my mouth waters. Yes. So I want to let you in on a secret. You're always going to want it. If you think about cheesecake, there is no place in nature that our brain gets that dopamine buzz. Mm -hmm. No place. Like, I mean, yes, like, I guess, like, is it poppy seeds that make heroin? Is this horrible? I should know this. Don't tell my <laughs> organic chemistry instructor from college. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure poppy seeds are what make heroin, right? Like, yes, we had contact with poppy seeds, but it's not in the refined form like heroin and morphine and dilated and narcotics, right? They're not the same. We did not have a space in the natural environment when our brain got into contact with these sorts of things. Mm -hmm. We don't have a way to naturally mitigate and, and, and put the brake pedal on for these foods, right? You're always going to want it. So this is where the maintaining gets challenging. If you're arguing with your brain every time it tells you it wants cheesecake or bread, you're in a constant struggle all the time. Right? Mm -hmm. What is wrong with just wanting the food? I haven't figured that part out yet. Yeah. What if there's so maybe the, the question is recognizing that when you have the thoughts, I want this food. I love this food. It's my favorite. I like it. It tastes so good. And your feeling is desire. And maybe for a while you talk back to that thought. No, I don't want it. I don't want it. I know I shouldn't eat it. I can't eat it, which isn't true. You totally can't eat it, but you're choosing not to eat it, right? Mm -hmm. When you're arguing with it, that argument, it's like holding a beach ball underwater. You've got to continue to inflict that force or Physics pulls the beach ball up, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing that's happening when you're arguing with that thing. What if you just allow the beach ball to come up, right? When you're fighting with it and you're, the desire is building, then there's this action that you have at some threshold where you eat the food, right? Mm -hmm. What if you don't argue with it anymore? What if you say, yeah, of course I want the food? Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? So I would say, yes, I want the food, but I choose not to eat it. That's what you're doing every day anyway. Mm -hmm. You're not living in a land of no cheesecake, mm -hmm. right? You're not living somewhere where there's no bread. Mm -hmm. You have it available to you right now. You're just choosing not to eat it. That's the only difference between these three weeks and you falling off or not maintaining, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The only difference is that you've made a decision here not to eat it. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Like, what do you think about that? It's, uh, it's something very interesting that I'm, I'm willing to put it into practice so that I can see how it affects me emotionally. Yeah. What do you think is causing the desire for the food? Mm. I don't know. It, it gives me some sort of happiness. 
well, yeah, that is, that's the feeling you get. Mm -hmm. But what is it in your um, environment? Like, what is it that causes you to want the food? Is it just the belief that this food makes me happy? I think so. How are or you currently bored? I, I enjoy yeah. chewing. <laughs> yep, I get it. What have you been doing recently to keep yourself from eating that food? Um, I've been following a uh, pretty strict keto. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, you know, I put coconut oil in my coffee. And I, I feel that when I load up with, you know, the coconut oil or I eat more fatty stuff, which I'm not, I haven't been able to achieve my whole fat, you know, eating, I feel, I feel content and I don't, I don't think about food. And I really honestly have even the dopamine where I'm like, I'm happy mm. and I feel positive and I'm chatty and I'm not sad. Yeah. So it's possible then for you to create that happiness with something other than that food, right? Yes. Why do you feel like it's morning to think of life without that food? Because mm, I'm using the words, I can't have it, rather than saying, I choose not to eat it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Can't feels very coercive. Right. No, and we're grown-ass women. We don't need to be bossed, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you were listening this. I don't, I totally understand if you weren't, but on Instagram, I did, you know, a, a brief conversation this morning about like this whole idea of can't, you know, like I can't eat it or the other thing. And, you know, our brain thinks like this a lot. Like, I don't know why I do it. We create this like out of our self control. Mm -hmm. Like I can't, somebody else is making me do it. Or I don't know why something else is making me do it. Right. We create this out of our self-control, which keeps us very blinded to the opportunity to change the way we are experiencing the world, right? I don't know why it flies into my mouth, right? I don't know why I eat it. Mm -hmm. Keeps me confused and uncertain and then frustrated when I see the numbers versus mm -hmm. I chose to eat that food because I connect happiness with it, because I was bored, whatever the reason might be, I chose to eat this food. Well, if you chose to eat the food to create happiness or to create a little flair in life and overcome boredom, the answer then becomes, how do I create happiness in my life without that food? Right. How do I not, how do I deal with boredom in my life without that food? Right. right. It gives you a solution. It's the same thing about this, I can't. When I can't have it and something's forcing it on me, I feel frustrated and angry and sad that I can't mm -hmm. have that food. Where the fact of the matter is I can totally eat the food. I just don't want everything that comes with it. There's so much more truth in telling ourselves the full answer there, right? And telling right. ourselves the truth about it, right? Right. Yeah. How would your life be if you started looking at things that way? I think it would be, it would be a positive thing. I think, yeah, I think, think it would be a big mindset change than how I am looking at things. Yeah. What are you going to have to let go of to make that shift? Associating the, that food with the happiness. Mm -hmm. 
that that food really doesn't bring me happiness. It brings me sadness, actually. Yeah. Well, and I do also think that it's important to remember that everything probably brings both in our lives. Even, I don't know if you're a mother. Yes, I have three daughters. Yes, we talked about this, I think. Yes, okay. Our children bring us both the most joy and the most sadness, right? Equal extremes either way, right? Like everything in our world is going to likely be 50-50. Like Mm -hmm. even the Twinkie, it brings us this amazing feel-goodness on our mouth and in our head for about 15 minutes. And then it brings an amazing disappointment, guilt, shame, long-term medication use, all of those things. So what if, like, I'm going to have to let go of the happiness. You're going to have to let go of happiness from there. And you're going to let go of the unpleasant, the shame, the disappointment, whatever it might be that's associated Mm -hmm. with that. Mm -hmm. And instead, you're going to trade it for a happiness of seeing better blood sugars and weight loss and all of these things you want to see. But the sadness there is you're not going to have that taste on your mouth. Right. So I guess my other piggybacking on on all that is that so I hopefully, you know, I'm my plan is I'm going to, you know, lose the weight, my numbers, my blood sugar is going to get stabilized. And then is it I guess for me, is it realistic for me to think that I'm, I understand the processed food. I need to eliminate processed food. I understand that, but staying in a, in a keto diet, do you, when, when I achieve this goal, do I then experiment with how much carbs or whatever I can eat to regulate my blood sugar? I don't know what, I don't know what the outcome is going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. Before we jump into that, I want to ask you one question. When you look at it, like there is going to be good, there's going to be happy and sad with either choice that I make. Uh Does that feel less heavy to you? Yes. Okay. And sometimes, again, like when we're so used to having Twinkies on our brain, it's all fireworks all the time. When we realize that it's just this more even keel, we don't have the heavy load that comes across with the worry and the frustration of our blood sugars. And we don't have the super high that comes with the Twinkie. We don't have either. It becomes mm-hmm. this this more even keel. Like, oh, it's more neutral, actually, is what it comes down to. So, mm-hmm. and then from there, how do you start creating happiness in your life in a way that's really meaningful and robust, I think is probably the most fun of this work. So, all right. So let's dive into kind of long-term what this looks like. So your questions, one, when you think my plan is to lose the weight, what feeling comes with that? Happiness. Happiness. What do you think? How is it different from I'm going to lose this weight and stabilize my blood sugar? How is that different? What do you mean? You use the word plan. You used uncertainty in that sentence. My, oh, that I plan to? Yes. Yes. Because I doubt myself that I, I, I have that doubt because I've yo-yoed since I was 14. Yeah. And so I want to offer to you, you see yo-yoing, I see persistence. Okay. Well, right. Who was it? Thomas Edison had, they say a thousand ways that failed to make a light bulb. The reason he stopped on the last one is because it made the light bulb. (laughs) <laughs> if you, I mean, he, it's the persistence of continuing trying that gets 
the success you're looking for. Every success in the world is built on a heap of failures, every single one of them, right? Uh -huh. Because you don't figure it out the first time. Nobody does. So you see, you see yo-yoing, I see persistence, okay? I'm gonna write that word down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're gonna figure it out. And the way that you know you're gonna figure it out is because you're not gonna be happy until that comes. Right. Give yourself that gift. I'm gonna figure this out because I'm just, I'm not gonna be happy until I figure it out. That's a gift. It sounds like an uphill hike, but it's really truly a gift to stop giving yourself the option that it might not work. Okay. Okay. So first, second, I want you to answer, is it realistic to stay on a keto diet? Do you have to? Do I have to? Um, I, I don't think I have to, but I think I I think I have to monitor my blood for the rest of my life just because I, I was, yeah, because I know that my blood sugar spikes up and I, in order to keep me in check, I think I'd have to check my blood sugar. Um, that's the part I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I, if I can stay on a ketogenic diet. Yeah, for the rest so how of do you life. feel on it? I feel really good actually. Yeah. Yeah, I have a clear mind. I don't feel, I don't, I don't feel bad. I don't feel lethargic. I'm sleeping well. So why would you not want to do keto for the rest of your life? Because people tell me that, oh, you can't do that forever. <laughs> That's a so horrible curiously, diet. I would encourage you, and this is not, this can be very almost like um, self-righteous maybe, and it's not meant to come off that way. Be very careful who you're getting ideas about you from if okay. they're from people who have health that's either where you're at currently or worse health than you're where you're, they're not the people you want to take advice from or thoughts from it's not me it does not mean that they don't love you or have your best interest in mind they may but they're probably not the best people to get qualified health information from Thanks for validating that. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's not meant to be ugly. I don't want that. I mean, it can come off ugly. I mean, but yeah. I did this once. I had a relative and this was over Diet Coke in his defense. I don't think he was wrong. But as he smoked his cigarette, he was sitting there telling me how horrible Diet Coke was for me. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> what do you know? So be very cognizant about who you're borrowing thoughts from, because these are all thoughts. All of them are thoughts. Yes. I can do this forever because it's amazing is a thought. I can't do this another day because I hate life like this is all a thought, right? So mm -hmm. when somebody says to you, you can't live like this forever, it's a thought. And be careful if it's somebody that you want to borrow a thought about you from, okay? okay? Well, thank you. That's very powerful. Yeah. So what do you think? That inspires me. That <laughs> What do you think about doing keto long term though? I don't, I don't see a problem, you know, with the, how I feel right now in three weeks. I don't know how it'll be in a few months. Well, you know, I did do it before and I got to the point where I don't want to eat another piece of bacon. I can't. Yes. And so I when just that, something different. Yeah. So you've got a number of options as far as like biologically what happens, you do have to pull your insulin down and hold it down for quite some time. Like 
probably three to six months, mm-hmm. you will have to pull that insulin level down. And how you're going to know, because you don't do home blood sugar or home insulin checks, you're going to know by where your blood sugars are. If you're fasting blood sugars, so what I mean by pulling your insulin down is your fasting blood sugars are going to consistently be 100 or less, right around that 100 mark mm-hmm. or less for 12 weeks. Okay. And that's when you're going to know that your cell function has improved. Or that's when you can start to like be like, oh, I bet myself on. And you may not. It may not have. Some okay. people, definitely, they don't. And they still struggle with it. And so they just have to do it longer. I like to think of this, and you may have heard me talk about this in the podcast, it's collecting better biology. There's a variety of reasons that this takes this long, but you just want to collect as many hours and days and weeks and months of your cells not being assaulted by the food that you're eating. Okay. So if I have a blood sugar, like over the last three weeks, it, it ranges from you know, 80 to 107. And I don't, if I eat the same meal that I'm eating every day, and then this morning I, I took it and it was 105. I, mm-hmm. That doesn't make any sense to me because I ate the same thing I ate when it was 80. Yeah. Because there's a lot of things that go into your blood sugar that have nothing to do with what you eat. And the group, we go into that in the group, there's a curriculum that goes through all sorts of things. There's 12 weeks of curriculum and like 15 bonus modules that goes mm-hmm. through the biology of the different things that cause your blood sugars to go up and your insulin to go up. There's a variety of things. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a bad night's sleep. It could be extra stress. It could be, I will tell you, like if you're running 105 today and you were 95 yesterday and maybe the day before you were 90, those are all, they're not significantly different from one another. Now, mm-hmm. if you were running 80, 80, 83, 85, 80, 77, 87, and now you got a 105, okay, that one's out. That one's an outlier. Okay. And again, bad night of sleep, super stressed at work. It's Wednesday and not Friday. Argument with the spouse. I mean, there's a hundred different things that can create that 105 that has nothing to do with you eating anything wrong or right or indifferent. Okay. So remember, we're never looking at one reading. One reading does not make a sick soul, right? A trend is what we we look at. Okay. So yeah, so why did you not want to do, when you did keto for a few months, it says in the past, you said in the past, why did you stop doing that? COVID. Why does COVID have something to do with what you eat? Tell well, me more about that. It has nothing to do with what I eat. It, it's just in September of 19, I was diagnosed. I immediately went on to a keto. I lost 50 pounds from September into March. And then we went into the lockdown. And then at home, it was, I was working from home. And then it was like, oh, what do I want for lunch? Ooh, I want some nachos. Yeah. Well, what started it actually, to be honest, was in that February of 2020, before the lockdown, I went to Mexico. And so when I was in Mexico, I had nachos, refried beans, I had, you know, all the yummy stuff. And then when I returned home, I kind of went back. But then when we were locked down, it was like, oh, this is bored. I'm bored. And so I just ate nachos every day. And then it ended up being something else, something else. And yeah. And so this is where 
really dealing with that belief. This is, and I know everybody, I remember thinking, you gotta be crazy. This has nothing to do with what I'm thinking. Somebody needs to wire my mouth shut. So I'll stop eating M&Ms. That's the problem, right? It is the thought anywhere, any environment that you continue to bring the belief that you like that food and you continue to meet that desire that you build with it, with mm -hmm. eating it, you're going to have this problem. The thought is the issue. When we're only hearing the thought, I like the nachos, I like the M&Ms, when that's all we're hearing, there is no, I mean, our brain just like, yes, of course we like it. Let's do that. We want to be comfortable. Let's do that. You have to, and of course, the other part of it is I shouldn't want it. I shouldn't want it. I shouldn't want it. You try to suppress it. You try to suppress it. You try to suppress it. And at some point you get exhausted and you just let right. it come to the surface and you eat all so the things. How do you do a vacation then? Yeah. So that is the thing. So your question about, do I have to do this forever? You really do get to decide. What I want to offer to you is carrots and celery and 120 grams of carbs. It seems ridiculous, but 120 grams of carbs a day in the forms of fresh veggies made no one diabetic. Right? Nobody got diabetic because of their banana problem. Nobody got diabetic because of their apple problem. Loved all this holy. Nobody got diabetic because of their carrot problem. It's not what made us sick. You didn't get sick because you weren't doing keto. You got sick because you were eating, you know, cheesecake and nachos, sure. right? So you don't have to do keto for a lifetime. Okay. Definitely. Like, again, keto, people not doing keto don't all come down with diabetes. That is not the reason that people come down with diabetes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Can you go back to eating nachos and cheesecake all the time? You've proven to yourself that that's probably not going to work, right? So how do you handle a vacation? What I teach my clients is there is nothing you're going to do on vacation that we can't fix. We fixed it once. There's nothing you're going to do on a 10-day cruise that when you come home, we can't fix. And you know what happens? This happens now twice. Twice two of my clients went. And I hope they hear me bragging on them. But they went um, a 10 day, both of them 10 day cruises and both of them came back and their blood sugars had went up from like one was in the 85 range and she jumps up to probably the one, 105, 110 fasting range and her weight went up three pounds. Seven days after that cruise, she was back to where she was before she started. Nice. Same thing with my other client. She went away and her blood sugars jumped about 20 points in the morning. And she gained about three pounds and then just got right back at it and everything goes back to where it was. Okay. Once you learn the skills for how to fix this, and this goes back to that whole, your brain's like, I don't know, I might not do it. I'm yo-yoing. No, you're persistent. You're not yo-yoing. You're persistent and you're going to figure it out. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah. So I think that, you know, Definitely. Sometimes there is a knowledge base. Like, what do I need to do? And people, you know, will tell you all sorts of crazy stuff. I mean, even doctors, I will tell you in my hometown here in Kansas, we have a cardiologist office. We, I mean, I live in the biggest town in Kansas and we have a cardiologist office. And in that cardiology office, there is a gentleman who there's their diabetic educator and he's a PA. He's not like a nurse or he isn't just, I mean, he's a PA and he's their diabetic educator and he is grossly overweight. I mean, just like obese, overweight in that range and is injecting insulin 
and he's their diabetic educator. I'm like, guys, be very careful who you're getting your information from. Clearly, he does not have the answers unless you're interested in being in being on meds for the rest of your life. Right. And then I think he's very good at prescribing meds for diabetes. Don't get me wrong. But if that's not what you're looked at looking for, he's not the guy to help you. So I think right. it is very important to remember to be get very cognizant of who you're getting your information from. So. This is all great information for me. Yeah. Has this been helpful? Yes, tremendously. So I want I want to welcome you to going forward from here when you feel like you want the food. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. going to be what you notice. You're not going to be suddenly after our talk being like, I know what my brain is telling me. Like, it's just not how our human being body works. We are being and we feel in that beingness. You're going to feel desire. You're going to feel that draw, that magnetic pull to that food. And I want you to pause when that happens because you already do because you know, like, I shouldn't have that food. The first time that story runs in your brain, like, be like, okay, pause, slow it down. What am I thinking I'm going to get from that food? It's going to make me happy. Okay. If I'm going to live my life diabetes free, I'm going to have to learn to be happy, not reliant on that food. So how do I want that to be? And start building your diabetes free life from there. Okay. Is that good? That's good. Is that helpful? Very helpful. Well, great. Kathleen, I'm so grateful that you came on the podcast with, with us. Thank you so much for being willing and brave to do this. If you ever need anything, you always know you can reach out to me. Okay. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh-huh. I'm not.